0: Awesome, welcome to another expert interview. Really, really excited for today's guest. We have Kirk with uh, Gratis Gives and Gratis Payments. Kirk has a wealth of knowledge in an industry that's super confusing. Uh, so really excited to dig into the topic. Kirk, let's jump right into it. Why don't you tell everyone who you are and what you do? So first of all, Devin, thanks for having me. I'm happy to
1: help and looking forward to this uh, interview. Uh, my name is Kirk Alaire, and I own Gratis Payments and uh, Gratis Gives, which is the nonprofit initiative Uh, part of gratis
0: payments. Awesome. Let's talk, let's talk trends. Um, In the merchant processing space, credit card processing, I know there's a lot in the space, but what are some trends that you're seeing in the industry that you think people should pay attention to? Well, they move
1: fast. In fact, by the end of this recording, we might have a new one.
0: (laughs) Um, But
1: right now, you know, the trends are um, obviously pay by text is really hot right now. Um, pay by QR code or, or electronic in, invoicing through QR codes is very popular right now. Um, and then you know the whole tap and um, tap your card and, and use your phone. the near field communications commonly referred to as NFC um, portion of the industry is still pretty
0: hot. Okay, so it sounds like lots of tech improvements in the industry. It
1: is it is ridiculously fastly
0: evolving. Yes. What of those? When a business owner is looking at, do I need to pay attention to that tech as it applies to my business, which of those are security things they should definitely pay attention to? And which of those are added benefits that are situational? Well, that's a really good question. So the security um, security is changing
1: just as fast as the technology is changing. Uh, And the whole PCI compliance issue and the level one. um, you know, data uh, collection is super important and terminals that were popular even as short as a year or two ago are almost out of date at this point. And that's unfortunate because, you know, no one likes buying terminals. Um, but <clears throat> when you start to talk, when you start talking about peer-to-peer encryption and end-to-end encryption and tokenization, uh, it all becomes relevant in this. in this, as we move closer to the... Um, holy crap, we need security, fraud protection.
0: Yeah, and there's a, there's a big cash penalty on the back end of that, right? Like if you're a business owner and you have something hacked or something happens, are you liable for that or Where, where's that liability fall? Yeah, there's liability
1: falls on as many people as they can possibly get it to fall on. <laughs> and you know, the majority of um, fraud usually happens in the smaller businesses. You, we may think that it happens to the big ones, but it actually happens to the smaller ones. We just don't hear about them as much. Um, and the, the fees behind not being compliant, even if there's not a data breach, there are fees that are, uh, that are in place to, how do I wanna say, instigate you to become compliant. I mean, there are some companies out there that charge upwards of $125 a month for not being compliant on top of all the other fees.
0: Um, so it can become expensive if you don't stay compliant. Jeez, okay. So lots for businesses to sort through. So let's talk let's talk about vendors, right? So, you know, a business can go out there and they can, there, there's a lot of quick options to set up merchant processing. Um, and, you know, there may be some reasons and benefits to that. But with all these moving pieces, it sounds like you should have some sort of partnership or someone you can call or someone who's on looking out on your behalf. Can you talk about the different options people have when it comes to setting up processing for their company? Right on. So the options with regards to setting up processing is there's a ton of
1: them out there. There's a ton of them out there. And um, we have been historically, when I say we, I mean, we as business owners have been historically trained to just search on price. Uh, What's your rate? Hey, Kirk, what's your rate? Hey, Kirk, what's your rate? All the time. We hear it all the time. And what, what, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than just your rate. And what they don't understand is that it, that question is a, is birthed from an old pricing strategy that used to be very common. People used to say, well, our price, our, our rate is 1.25 but there were downgrades that would go to 2.25 and 3.25 and three, you know 3.9, but no one would tell you any of that. They would just sell you the 1.25. <clears throat> so that, that thought process, there are still people that do it out there, but it's almost gone. And there's no simple way to say, hey, what's your rate? Because um, you know, Visa, MASCAR, the issuing banks, they set the rates, we don't set the rates. The rates are the same for everyone um you know it's how you take cards and what cards you take that dictate the rate so for example devin if i was buying something from you, from you today and i was standing in front of you and i took a debit card out
0: okay. it's going
1: to it's going to cost you a particular rate very small but if i was on the phone with you and i used that same card to make a payment it would have a different rate Because Visa and MasterCard assigns a risk value to every transaction. So remember, there's two things, how you take the card and what type of card it is. Because you as a business owner, you have no idea whether I'm gonna pull out an American Express, whether I'm gonna pull out my Southwest Rewards card, or I'm gonna pull out my debit card. And they
0: all have a different cost to it. Interesting man, I, the more we talk, the more complicated the industry gets. And, <laughs> you and know, I this... know like after talking to you for years and years, I mean, that that is the experience, right? And a lot of business owners don't know what they don't know. And, you know, having looked at quite a few statements and worked with you on quite a few clients, it's interesting to see how those statements look and how how complex they are. So can you, can you break that down, I know we don't have anything on the screen, but could you just talk a little bit through, like, hey, here's some things to look out for if you are getting a statement, and maybe some hidden keys?
1: that's a great question. In fact, I was—that's a really, really good question. So the statements, uh, for the most part, are purposely made difficult to read so that the merchants can't figure out what they're paying. That, in and of itself, is very frustrating to us. Um, we use very simple statements, and and um, we educate our customers on how to read those statements. So they're never left in the dark. Um, The, uh, how how do I wanna say the, say the second part of your question again?
0: Just giving them some tips on like where some of those fees might be hitting. Oh yeah, right. So the best thing to know, the first thing you need to know is what is my
1: effective rate? The effective rate is the piece that nobody can hide from. Okay. The merchant can't hide from Visa, can't hide from, um, you know, merchant companies uh, like Gratis can't hide from. The way you do an effective rate is you take your total fees, your total fees paid for the month, and you divide that number into the process revenue and you come up with a percentage. That,
0: Devin, is your real rate. Got you. So if I do that and it comes up to 5%. I should probably make a call. (laughs) That's right. So,
1: you know, if you do $100,000 in business and you're paying $2,700 in fees, you're paying 2.7%. If you're doing $100,000 in business and you're paying, you know, $3,718, you're paying 3.71%. You see what I'm saying? Um, Now, how they get to that is hidden within that statement. But that number divided by that number cannot lie.
0: I love that. So just giving them... A quick idea of hey, let's actually see what your your real rate is because if they did promise you in your example right, they promised you 1.25, and you go find that effective rate and find that it's three percent, at least go talk to the talk to them right. Hey, yes. explain this to me. Whether you're trying to change vendors or not, like they, just go ask like hey, explain what's going on. Um, and if they're not explaining right, maybe it's time to change change partnerships or look for someone else that makes sense in your area. But I, I love that tip because it's it's clean. We,
1: we had a recently, we, we had a dentist that we saved them. Uh, when we did a proposal for them, we were saving them about $1,400 a month Whew, okay. in fees. He was overpaying by $1,400. But his software, we were not compatible with. Now that doesn't happen often, but it does happen. So he couldn't even take advantage of the savings. So in, uh, what we did instead is we contacted his current customer, his current payments company, and help them negotiate his better rate awesome. we didn't even get them as a customer but that's what we do
0: um you know we know that that'll come back in in the long run i love yeah. that well i mean we just need a partner like i mean we're not it's like insurance hand me an insurance policy good i can't read the shit like like it's not it's not gonna happen right so it's the same with your say so i love that offer and i and i encourage that like everyone should be looking at all their vendors often And they should be checking them. Like, look at the fees. What's changing? And it's interesting, too, because your example of like 100,000 at 2.7%, the next month they may run 100,000 with a different effective rate. And I think kind of tying back in to your your conversation, right, is you can run the same volume with a different effective rate because maybe how you take cards changed or maybe the type of cards you took changed. That's right. And those two things are going to be impacted no matter who you use. (laughs) That's
1: right. That's right. Interesting.
0: Love that. And even
1: if you take the, um, if you did a hundred thousand dollars of business and you still took the same, um, took the cards the same way, there's still nothing that says that people use the same type of cards. You know, those reward cards, merchants pay for those. Those are more expensive to take than a debit or a standard consumer credit card. You know, a standard consumer credit card might clear interchange at 1.5 percent, um, whereas a, a rewards card might clear interchange at 2.09 percent. So and that's cost. You mean, that's that's before anybody makes anything. So, um, yeah, the the card that is pulled out of the customer's wallet dictates the cost
0: and how you take it. So it sounds like there's so many fees with credit cards. So should I just tell my clients to pay by check or cash? <laughs> well, cash is certainly becoming
1: more and more obsolete, oddly enough. Um, you know, when I, when I shop, um, I try to use cash as much as I can because I'm in the credit card business and I know how much fees they pay. Uh, but sometimes I can't get around it and I have to use my card. Um, now, checks are becoming electronic checks are becoming very popular, more and more. The reason why they're becoming more and more popular is because the cost of collecting money for a business owner sometimes is more expensive than it needs to be. Uh, and not, not all, uh, there are sometimes that we don't even collect the money. You know what I mean? We just get kind of stiff. I mean, you know, you've been in business long enough. Yeah. Um, but electronic checks um, are a fraction of the cost of credit cards so if if you can drive your customers to your website and they put in their their uh, ach information that costs you the merchant a lot less to take that payment so we are trying to steer as many people into AC, ach options as well we especially especially some of our uh, big wholesale distribution companies around the country that do big big purchases for retail uh, establishments around the company, country um Why, why pay two and a half percent when you can pay an ACH transaction fee and that's it? I mean, it's a lot less.
0: So it sounds like, again, going back, and I know that was a a softball question, but, but I mean, I know we've heard it, right? I know that that's something I've heard business owners say is like, you know, Hey, I don't take it. And we'll see in the construction industry and some of those, those big transaction industries. But at the same time, they're like, Hey, I've got 300,000 in receivables out. Yeah. Well, why do you make it so hard to get let people pay you? Right. So I think the other side of it is, you know, there is a convenience fee, right? So it sounds like you're you're really having those conversations with businesses and saying, hey, let's look at your environment, your client experience, and let's figure out one, are there ways to save money? And two, let's make sure that we're making it easy for clients to actually pay you so that you're not sitting on half a million dollars on receivables. That's right. Yeah. The cost of not getting paid. is is super
1: expensive dude super expensive get paid it's a constant
0: what about amex you know there's i think i think it's slowly fading away but i still think that there's businesses that like just refuse to take it like what where did that come from and is that still something that's true uh no no it's not it's not
1: as true as it used to be uh amex used to have um well it's their own card breed you know they have their own rules and regulations um and they used to be a lot more expensive to take from the customer's perspective. And they would pay the merchant or the customer slower. So that would tick off a lot of business owners because, you know, um, again, waiting for money sucks. Um, so, uh, But historically, uh, excuse me, let me say that differently. In the last, I don't know, eight years or so, um, American Express has really changed their game um, they've developed a, a, an interchange just like Visa and MasterCard, and um, they they are a lot more competitive at this point. Now, they're still a little bit more than Visa. I get it, but they're not nearly as what they used to be.
0: So there shouldn't be as much fear from a business owner. It should be no. something that, hey, you should be taking this, and you know there are good rewards to it. So there's a chance you're going to have customers who want to use it. Yep. Yep. Let's talk about or my ability to get money, right? I, I think that's something you taught you just mentioned there. I think's really relevant, right? So, you know, I've seen some of those posts go up for like, hey, PayPal's holding on to my money. And, you know, it's taking me four or five days to get paid on the my customer paying me. Why is that happen? And and what should the turnaround time look like? Or what's that process?
1: Well, that's I'm going to give you, I'm going to try to do my best as giving you a 35 cent answer, not the 85 cent answer. <laughs> that is a long, that's a long answer. I apologize. <clears throat> uh, which is odd that you asked that because we just had a customer the other day called us in a, in just freaking out, panicking. They use Square and Square is currently holding all of their money and they can't get their money. And they're a local coffee shop and they're hurting, oh. um, so you know it's one of those things that people don't understand the value of going with a local company like us until they don't, right? Um, then they'll realize it quickly. Um, you you should be receiving your money um, the next morning, right? Overnight funding, uh, depending on what time you actually close. If you close later later in the evening, then it would be the following morning. Uh, you should never be waiting more than two days for your money in any in any occurrence. Um, let me see. With regards to PayPal and Square and Stripe, um, they're not really a merchant account. And again, if I start talking too long, I apologize. Go ahead and give me the signal. <laughs> right? But when you sign up with a, for a merchant account from a traditional merchant processor like Gratis, you own the account. It's your account. You have to approve. You, you have to be approved. And um, it's your money. Um, it's your account with Stripe, PayPal, and Square, they are what's called an aggregator. You can go on to Google and type in what is an aggregator, and it will tell you all about it. But let me sum it up for you. An aggregator is a company that holds one account. And then they assign terminals out that feed into that one account. So when a local coffee shop uses the Square, The Square gives them a Square device and they, Square knows how much to fund them based on how much that terminal processed. Okay. That account is not theirs. They are being funded that account um, through the terminal. So that's why Square and PayPal and Stripe are famous for holding money because it's not really yours anyway. Hmm. Interesting. You see what I'm saying? Um, so that's why when people say, you know, what do you mean I have to get approved? Why do I need to give my social security number? I didn't need to do that with PayPal. Well, that's because you don't, that's not a real account. You know what I mean? You can't buy a car. You can't open up a bank account without a social security number. The Patriots Act stopped that from happening, (laughs) right? Uh, You just can't do it. And with a merchant account, it is a financial transfer of money. So it is governed by the, by the federal, federal um, regulations. <clears throat> when, when I run a transaction at Joe Bob's Chicken Shack today and Joe Bob's receives that money tomorrow, Visa hasn't been paid from me yet. So that is a micro loan. Every time they get a deposit, they are being loaned that money um, the, the, uh, we don't pay for it for upwards of a month, upwards to a month later. So that's why, um, these, uh, excuse me, that's why square PayPal and Stripe is a really big frustration for us because people think that they have a merchant
0: account and they don't. So it may be an easy path to get set up. It is, but you're not going to have the same kind of control or support.
1: Absolutely. In fact, if you were to go search PayPal or Stripe or Square, uh, you would see that they're specifically designed for startups and smaller businesses.
0: Yeah, you easy, know? right? It's, it's easy. But again, it, there's no partnership there and it's not your account. So uh, that's something I didn't understand, you know, and, and I think that's why I asked the question, because I think it's critical people understand. Yes, you can set up that way. It's easy. It's quick and get your money right. Start start your business. I'm not telling you not to. But at some point you probably want to transfer that relationship and conversation to a partner, right? Some sort of company, local, regional, that's going to support you and be a partner with you as you scale and grow your business.
1: Uh, that's absolutely perfect. I was at a very, very large business this morning with Cindy uh, making a presentation and they said, um, you know, explain to me what, it, what it feels like when we need service, who do we call? And, and I explained to them, I said, obviously you got the powers of the biggest companies in the world behind us, but we always want you to call us. We wanna to go to war for you. We don't want you to sit there on hold. We wanna be the people that wow you every time you need to be wowed. Um, so <clears throat> there is a value of going local service and there is a,
0: um, a um, you know, obviously local money is local money also. So I love that. yeah. Is there, is there anything else in the credit card payment processing ACH world that a business owner should think about or consider anything that pops up for you or a common objection that may not be true?
1: Yes. I, I've got a great one for you. Oftentimes people say, oh, we go through our bank. They're our processor. Right. Um, and I understand, by the way, um, this is not the first company I've owned. I used to process through my bank as well. However, the, the banks are not processors. They are um, what's called an independent sales organization for the real processors. The real processors are your first data. Elevon, help me out here. Uh, Worldpay, Vantif, there's only like five of them. Everything goes through those five companies. So when someone says, Kirk, you know, we go through Wells Fargo. Great, we go through the same company Wells Fargo does. Wells Fargo uses First Data, Gratis used First Data. There's nothing you can get from Wells Fargo that you cannot get from Gratis um, with regards to product. You know what I mean? Um, same thing with Bank of America and, and Nevada State Bank and, you know, Nevada State Bank uses First Data as well. So, you know, um, they pitch exclusivity and they pitch individuality. Uh, But really, to be honest with you, they are just offering the same products as everyone else. Uh, We think we we love the fact that we're locally owned. We love the fact that um, we employ local people here, just like, you know, all the other local companies. But the other thing that we do that we're really proud of, obviously, and I know you are well aware of, is that uh, every time a merchant selects gratis, they get to select one of the 13 participating nonprofits that we currently work with. And a piece of every transaction goes to the nonprofit that the customer picks. Not the customer's customer, but the business owner gets to say, I want to support Care Chest. Now, every time a customer buys something at their store, a tiny, tiny piece goes to Care Chest. That is what makes us different. And that is the part that is, feels good. We've, we've taken something that we're good at and we figured
0: out how to do good with it. And that well, feels good. And I love that because giving back should be part of any business's mission, right? I, I think you have to be community focused, and I've always appreciated about that about you, about your team, about people you surround yourself with, is you're always community focused, right? And and I'm glad you pivoted to that because I I greatly respect what Gratis Gives does, and I think that it is it shakes the industry a little bit and it says, hey guys, let's let's do good, right? right. How much and, did you give away last week?
1: What two weeks ago was it? How much we? It was like forty three thousand five hundred and seventeen
0: bucks or something. Yeah, coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that feels good. Feels great, and I love that because I do. I've heard that right. Like, oh, my bank takes care of me. Oh, I don't even know what that means. Like, well, well, I, I can't. I like, I don't even understand that statement. I'm glad that you think they take care of you. However, no matter who my vendor is, I want to put them in line at least once a year. Once a year, if I'm using a good friend, let's check it. Like, let's make sure the relationship is still where it should be. Let's make sure I understand what I'm paying for. It's okay. Like, it's healthy to have those conversations. So why would you sign up for a merchant account and not touch it or look at it for a decade?
1: you'd be amazed at how many people have not, you know, we just, we we just signed up a company in Providence, Rhode Island. um, that's 103 years old and I bet you, they haven't done a review on their account for 15 years. Oh. And when they saw the savings, I I thought they passed out. I mean, uh, hello.
0: Hello. (laughs) It was pretty crazy. But that's awesome, and I and I love that. And I, you know, I did. I remember the NCET talk I had, and we we're talking about, you know, lessons learned from COVID. And and I think that that was my number one thing is like, talk to your vendors, right? Your vendors should be responsive, and they should be advocating for you, right? So your vendors should have been calling you, saying, "How's business? How are things going? How can we help?" You shouldn't have had to lifeline your vendor. Right. That's not that's not how the relationship should work. And if that's how it's working, you might want to you might want to change your vendor. Right. 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 So good. Let's transition to business. Um, You've had all sorts of businesses, all sorts of ventures. You've done some really cool things. Um, And every time we talk, I always learn something. So if someone is starting out on their professional journey or launching a business, what are one or two things that everyone should hear, know, or think about?
1: Wow. Do it better. Be better. Oh my gosh, there's so much, Devin. There's so much there. do better with it. You know, this, Devin, this is, you've heard me say this a thousand times. I apologize to be cliche, but this is our corner of the earth. You know, it's our job to take responsibility and take care of it. So, you know, I love the social consciousness. I love the social capitalism. It is really, really important to me that we do everything we can to heighten business, uh, heighten humanity through business. It's what I enjoy to do, you know, I, I enjoy doing business. Um, and I enjoy making people better. So, you know, if you're just gonna sell a mousetrap, then figure out how to how am I gonna impact others by selling the mousetrap.
0: I love that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, uh, someone said don't forget your why, right? And mm. that was that was a good feedback, and it's definitely one that resonates with this, right? It's like, yeah, you might be the best baker, right? That's awesome. But why are you opening your bakery? What are you trying to do in the community? Right. And I think that's the important part is like, let's not just take a skill and run out and launch a company. Let's actually think through, you know, am I going to have jobs? Am I going to sponsor and impact the community? Is my quality of product and service going to be better so that I'm impacting businesses or adding value or saving them money? Or, you know, what's the why? What's the impact? And I think impact is something that. People, when they write their business plans, I'm surprised they don't include it more, right? Because that's the true lasting piece, right? Is like the business may come and go, you may come and go, but that impact will be remembered, right? Right. You
1: know, i am sure you've seen that Simon Sinek video um, of with the why. Have you seen that? Love when that. He talks to, uh, and I love how he closes it because he's, he's talking about Apple and he goes out and, you know, the how, the what, and then the why. And at the end it says, oh yeah, and we sell computers. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. And we sell merchant services is, you know, a
0: lot about what we think about here. Yeah. Well, and it does that transition into the kind of selling features versus benefits? I think often if we talk about salespeople, I see salespeople be much, much more successful when they talk about the benefits and impact of the product or service they're selling, right? Versus the guy who goes out there and goes, here's the bullet point list of everything you get, buy now. And it's like, huh?
1: (laughs) In every industry, there's a a bucket of white noise. Now, all of the white noise might be accurate, better service, um, better rates, better terminals, but it's all white noise. Anybody can make those claims. So if you're only adding to the quantity of white noise that's being
0: produced in your industry, then shame on you. Love that, love that, yes. Let's talk about mentorship. You've, I think you have an innate ability, whether it's through coaching, whether it's through working with the people around you to be an awesome mentor. When it comes to mentoring, um, are there any trends or things that you see that are common conversations that people tend to get stuck with as they're trying to pursue growth?
1: I hate to do it to you, Devin, but can you say that
0: again? Yeah, are there any common obstacles or conversations you have when mentoring people, whether it's an athlete or an individual? Just, just a trend or something you tend to see people get stuck with frequently. <clears throat> First of all, I,
1: for the people that know me, uh, know that I love I love both being spoken into, and I love speaking into, right. Uh, last night I was with someone that I I hold in very high regard, and and gave him the opportunity to just pour into me, dude, pour into me, make me better. Oh, you know what I mean? But um, you know, I think that those relationships and those those opportunities um, can only happen when there's a level of authenticity and genuineness, and most importantly, a level of real vulnerability. Mm. Right. Someone cannot be poured into or pour into if the if there's not a mutual feeling of acceptance of vulnerability. Love that. I know that that probably sounds foo foo and a little bit Brene Brown. I apologize, but although she is amazing, um, but it's real. You know what I mean? Uh, if someone's not being
0: authentic, it doesn't matter what you have to say; it's not going to resonate. Love that, and I love that you reference. Giving and getting right, like I think that yes, you know, if you were given into, you have to give right, and it's a cycle, right?
1: Yes, none, none
0: of us know everything, it's impossible, right? And that's why I love these conversations because I find no matter who you're talking to, no matter who you're talking to, there's a lesson that can be learned, right? Now, the impact of that lesson, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? If you have a deeper relationship and you're being vulnerable and authentic with that person, and vice versa the impact is going to be magnified for sure. Yes. But pay attention, pay attention because there's lessons everywhere, right? And why would you not help other people fast track something that you've already figured out? Now, they may not want to hear it, but at least you tried to help. (laughs) That's right. You know, the other thing that makes
1: all that contingent is one's willingness to be reflective and uh, be introspective, Mm. right? Because, you know, when we look at it, through our portals, everything looks right, um, and it's not always right. So we got to be able to be true to ourselves as well, and that sometimes is the hardest piece. You know, sometimes when I walk by the mirror, I duck down so I don't have to see myself. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, really, I mean, if you're not honest with yourself, then you got some work to do.
0: Well, in having those accountability partners, right? You got to be able to yes. pick up the phone and say, man, I messed that up. Like, well, can I talk through it? Or, hey, I crushed that. Let me share the win because that energy is just as good, right? Yep. So yep. love that. And I know we've talked about that, right? Who's in your circle? What's your circle look like? Are they pouring yep. into you? Are they sucking you dry? Like you, you got to pay attention, right? Because that circle is going to is gonna hate your energy. Yep, absolutely. You know, I, I think of
1: it, there's three stages, right? Someone should always be pouring into you. You should always have a circle that's lateral as well that you can just hang out with. They're not better than you. You're not better than them. It's just an even playing field. And then you always need a category, um, a genre or group of people that are openly seeking your counsel, right? There's opinions and then there's counsel. And when you find someone that's willing to give you counsel, take it. Mm. opinions are a dime a dozen, but
0: counsel is, comes from wisdom and that stuff is valuable. I love that. Let's talk about, um, I was at Eddie house yesterday. I was chatting with some of their clients and this conversation came up and I, and I thought it was, it's, I always have the best conversations there. It's, it's impactful when people are trying to do better in their life. Um, but this topic came up and it's something I see often is, you know, people are out there trying to do everything by themselves right? Here's my path. Here's my journey. Maybe you do have really well-defined goals. Maybe you have a clear plan to get there, but it's a lot of me. It's a lot of, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get the job. I'm going to go get a raise. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I think that, you know, colleges try, they tell you to get an internship, but what they should tell you is just go out and meet people. And if there's an industry sector or space that you want to get into, talk to everybody in the damn space, Because I know when I was on my journey and starting and still now, I was so scared to ask. Like I was so scared to like waste that business owner's time. And in fact, that business owner, the majority of the time is craving the ability to give back and tell their story. Mm -hmm. So we were having that talk at Eddie House yesterday. And that was my encouragement is like, hey, if you want to get in this case, they want to get into the cannabis industry. And I said, that's a phenomenal industry. So many things grow in there. There's obviously some, some hiccups and challenges, but what are you doing to get in the industry? And he's like, well, I'm going to get my cart. No, 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 no. What are you doing to get in the industry? Like, who are you talking to? Where are you networking? What meetings are you having? And it was like a light bulb went off. And I know that you do that really well and you encourage people to do that. Is there any comment you can say about that? I just, I want to bring it up because it's, it's so critical. I think people go out there and actually try to try to find some of that info.
1: Um, Boy, you know, you, you've read some of the same books I've read, um, and there's, I mean, Napoleon Hill, he worked for two years, commissioned by Dale Carnegie to uh, extrapolate from uh, the leaders of the time, best practices, and he did it for nothing. Um, and then there's been countless um, studies, and, you know, if you want to know the industry, go into work for, in the industry for 90 days for nothing. Meet as many people in the industry. And if at the end of 90 days, you love it, do it. At the end of 90 days, you don't get out. You save yourself a bunch of time and a bunch of money and a bunch of frustrations. Um, You know, like you, Devin, I'm super, super uh, connections based. I'm very relational. I love my relationships. Um, And... You know to some I would be considered connected to some I would be considered not connected but um <clears throat> I I am always looking for looking for more for more connections it's super
0: valuable. Love that and I love that 90 day analogy that's that's such a an impactful lesson right is you know often it, it's so interesting that we as a society try to push a 17 year old right to make a life decision on What do you want to do when you grow up? Uh, Huh? Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, maybe what do you want to do for the next five to 10 years, right? Like, I don't know how often someone just jumps off the diving board and lands in the pool, they're going to swim in, right? Like, I think that you're right. Like, look at what are people's lifestyles, right? If you want to be single forever, is that the industry, right? If you want to be married and have a family, is the industry you want to go into sustainable for that? Or do you go look at the industry and find out everyone in the industry is on their 19th marriage? <laughs> well, if that's the case and you want a white picket fence and a family, you, you got to pay attention because you're probably not going to be different. And a lot of industries
1: are ancestral. And I know that sounds really negative, but, you know, people just move from bank to bank to bank to bank. You almost want to say, hey, what's the last nine banks you worked at? <laughs> you know I mean, and that's nothing against people at banks, by the way. I probably shouldn't have said that, but you understand what I'm saying. We love, a lot we love you guys. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Love the There's bakers. a lot of industries out there like that.
0: Um, yeah. Realtors and mortgage lenders too. You guys fall into the same bucket. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: you know, I, I think, um, you know, the industries, industry selection is important, but more importantly in it, uh, excuse me, more importantly are the people that are, are going to be directly
0: in your sphere.
1: You know, uh, super important.
0: Love that. Well, right up. At, what I would say, we're right up at the end of time. So, any other words of wisdom? Anything that maybe you've been you've been dealing with uh, the last couple of weeks? Something you just want to share that you want people to hear?
1: Here's, <clears throat> yeah, I got one. We all have wants, needs, and desires. We all have goals, aspirations, things we wanna achieve. And the formula to get any of them is this simple. Go be great and it'll come eventually. That's it. Go be great. Don't chase it. Go be great for your customers. Go be great for your family. Go be great for your employees. Go be great for your friends. Go be great. That's it.
0: Mm. Yes. Where's the, I don't have a mic. But <laughs> buy <Ba-bam. laughs> <laughs> Well, Kirk, I as always, man, I appreciate you taking time. I know you're busy. I know that you guys are bouncing off the celebration, which is awesome. Congrats on that. Um, below this video will be Kirk's links um, so you can connect with him on whatever platforms he's going to give me links for there'll also be a click here which will take you to a form you can put your name email and a message in that'll go straight to Kirk so if you want to have a conversation if anything today resonated I know Kirk is open to meetings and conversations um, so go ahead and fill that out and Kirk thanks again and uh, as always always appreciate you
1: hey Devin thanks for having me loved it super fun thanks thanks man